When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, how you doing, Nicole? I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you really good. Yay. I got the microphone. I wanted to make sure it worked. <laughs> awesome. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you. Not a problem. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go on ahead and introduce uh, the show and everything and then introduce everybody to you and then we'll go on ahead and uh, do the show. Okay. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, we have Nicole with us. Say hello to everyone, Nicole. Hi. And tell everybody about yourself. Okay, so I'm a big movie lover. Um, I am currently working on my own movie podcast. Um, I'm also a writer. I have some things published. And um, I'm hoping to go into a career in movies. I mean, right now, I'm staying at home like everybody else. But yeah, I'm just a fellow movie lover. (laughs) That makes the two of us as well. Because, you know, with this pandemic and everything, it's actually hard for us to go to the movie theaters and everything. I'm itching to go (laughs) to the movies. Same. I miss going to the movies so much. Same here. And, uh, you know, uh, what else I wanted to ask you was, like, what are you, I know that you're blogging and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. what other stuff did you actually have published? Um, I do have a few articles. Most of it is short stories, and I am going to admit some of it is not safe for work stuff, because... I'm like, I'm going to see if I can try to explain this. See, I'm a person who I've gotten disappointed by stories and certain elements. And they'll be like, you know what? I can do that better. And then that's what I go do. So I have a lot of ideas that go into my stories of stuff I've seen done poorly. It's like, you know, it's like they didn't do that well. I'm going to do that well. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm currently working on a few things right now, too, because, again, stuck at home. So what else are you going to do? Right, exactly. And not only that, but I'm also in the process of writing a screenplay as well. I mentioned it. Oh, exciting. On here. Yeah. That's um, so exciting. It really <laughs> is, because I've been at the screenplay for almost a year. Ooh. <laughs> so, and basically, it's just about a, psycholo- it's a psychological thriller where the psychiatrist is basically a serial killer with seven different personalities. Ooh. He has to do his parent, uh, patient's uh, heads. To that actually sounds interesting. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so basically, I'm trying to do something that's a little bit different than normal. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Thank you. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually pretty neat of you, though, to say, you know, this person didn't do this right. So I'm going to critique it the way that I feel like that is actually going to end up being in my perspective. Yeah, that's what I do a lot. I have a Tumblr and like me and a lot of the people who follow me, it's like we're very critical of stuff. Like I am in the idea that it's a good idea to enjoy media, but it's also good to be critical when they don't do something well. I think it's just better to be a a, a conscious fan, basically. I don't think it's a good idea to just be, you know, like you just take whatever they give you. So it's like I have a tendency to be very critical and that's sometimes annoys people, but I think it's important, you know? <laughs> Exactly. I think so, too. It shows your passion. It shows 
what you can actually do with something with another property or whatever and try and turn it into your own. It's yeah. Kind of like a cover song in a way. Yeah, exactly. I do try to balance it because I'm also in the idea of like not every single movie has to be this Oscar, a worthy film. It can be just fun, you know? Right. Um, oops. Um, when it was on my fiance's birthday, I think it was last year, we went and saw the movie Stuber with uh, Dave Bautista oh, yeah. and Kamala Johnny, And it's like, that was stupid, but it was fun. Because you have Dave Bautista, who was amazing. And you got Kamala Johnny, who was also amazing. And, you know, I think it, it was fun. It's like, we enjoyed ourselves. Right. We laughed, and that's what was important. And you see, like, I, oh, go on ahead. No, go ahead. You got it. Okay. Um, you know what? As long, This is what I always say. As long as you had fun in the movie theater... And you come out laughing at a comedy that you watched, or you feel like you've been entertained. You got what you paid for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the only movie I can think of. Um, this is sort of an inside joke between me and my friends. Like, I'm part of this uh, group on Meetup, and we go to see a lot of movies. That's one of the reasons I want to go back to the movies because we always have so much fun. But when the um, Valerian movie came out, we all really didn't like it. Like, we were extremely bored and afterwards we sort of have this running joke where we say was this movie better than valerian and if the movie was better than valerian that means it had something going for it like even the cats movie even though that was a colossal failure we all kind of agreed despite it being like bad we still enjoyed it more than we did valerian because even though (laughs) the movie now see actually i'm also a fan of the musical it's like even though the movie wasn't perfect it's like it still got the score the score's amazing it's got memory, which is one of the like, most iconic songs right. ever. And the dancing, when you focused on, is really good because they hired a bunch of, you know, Broadway dancers, too. So it's like this movie was not good, but there was still stuff in it that made it enjoyable. And like, you know, I was right. singing along with the songs and everything. Like when my favorite song come on, came on, um, Skimbleshanks, The Railroad Cat. I was into it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this song. So even though the movie was like a dumpster fire, it's like there was still some enjoyable stuff in there, you know? So it's like, you know, if a movie, I think probably one of the biggest thing is like if a movie is boring, you've also kind of messed up in a way. Exactly. And not only that, but I mean, I I can't actually hate on a movie entirely unless it's just something that I just didn't really like. Yeah. But I always try to find aspects of certain movies that I enjoy. Oh, same. Like some... Sometimes also um, another thing is uh, like sometimes there might be just an actor you love. You love whatever they are in and you'll watch a bad movie because they're in it. Like, um, do you know who Michael Rooker is? Yeah, I know who Michael Rooker is. And I I just became obsessed with him after the second Guardians movie. And I found some other people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which who were also fans of his. And we would some we sometimes would like um, have little online watching um, meetings and we would watch some of his old movies and a lot of them will admit they're not that good like um i think it was probably around the time he was in uh that started in the walking dead is when he started to get more recognized but some of his earlier works yeah. were really not that good like i can't re- now there was one movie i think well, it was called a table for two i didn't see that one but the very first michael rooker movie that i've seen him in before the walking dead and i didn't realize that this was even a james gunn film and that movie was slither oh yeah a lot of people, well, he looks completely different. Like, he's completely right. bald with the glasses. Yeah, like, he looks completely different in that. 
And then you compare him to Yondu, who also, of course, looks different because of the makeup, right. but he's also very different from Merle. But, like, he's... Right. I've always think he's a good actor. It's just, like, earlier, he was saying that, like, in his career, it's like, you just have to take the work you get. And it's like, that makes sense, exactly. you know? And he was well, like, you know, he still cares about trying to give a good performance. So, like, I'll watch anything he's in. Same here as well. And that's like I tell everybody, like, with Matthew McConaughey, was starting oh, out yeah. he had to play at the bottom of the litter kind of movies like the rom-coms and stuff like oh, that yeah. mm-hmm. and i tell people this all the time you never start from the top you gotta oh, work yeah. away from the bottom of the barrel and yes it's the same way in the movie industry you're gonna end up seeing some pile of crap that you don't want to be in but you oh, have to yeah. work your ass off yeah like I, you need to be. I can't think of a single actor who like f- their first role was the best role they had that never happens it's just not you know practical to think that way that it's going to be every single role is going to be good including your early things that's true unless you count arnold schwarzenegger who came up just off the boat well, that's true and did pumping iron but that that's is true autobiography yeah i don't think that one really counts then because didn't he also do yeah. that hercules movie hercules in new york uh he did conan the barbarian oh he did a couple of others yeah, I remember seeing Hercules in New York. Um, oh, I didn't see that one. It, no, no, no. It wasn't for Rift Tracks. I think it was for um, How Did This Get Made, the movie podcast. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they reviewed that. They reviewed it, and so I watched some of it. And it was weird because they dubbed him over because they're like, no one's going to understand what he's saying. And I'm like, it would have just been right. better if you hadn't dubbed him. I think I remember seeing that on TV a couple of years ago when I was a kid. I'm like, this is not the Arnold voice that I know. Yeah, this and it's out of the movie. It doesn't suit his face at all, so it's really distracting. Right. But Becky, you were saying with Michael Roker and everything, mm-hmm. I really like his transition, especially what he did with Merle. Oh yeah. And everything. And also too, I don't know if you saw the Belko experiment. I haven't seen the whole thing. I need to watch the rest of it. I've heard it's really good. Um it's really good. Yeah, see, like, again, the thing was with me is, um, see, like, I really ended up liking him. I also got to meet him at um, Walker StalkerCon here in Georgia. And he's, he kind of reminds me of, like, you know, that old grandpa who's, like, he's a little (laughs) weird and kooky, but you still love him. And, like, see, I was really nervous meeting him. And all my friends were like, Nicole, just go up and talk to him. And I was like, you know, hi. And he was like, hey, darling, how are you? And he gave me a (laughs) hug and everything. And he signed some extra stuff for us, too. He just said, okay, girls, just don't go get these as tattoos, but I'm going to sign some extra stuff for you. So he's like a genuinely nice guy. So I'm happy that he's gotten all this popularity, especially like he really loves children. Like with Merle, kids, most kids aren't watching, you know, The Walking Dead, but they can watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, they can watch that because it's, you know, it's a Marvel film. So it's like he's this has opened up a whole new world for him. And I'm happy for him because I think he's a really great actor. Thank you. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I really, I really like, uh, I really like him as an actor and everything. I mm-hmm. really feel like, you know, he actually captured Yondu really well for oh, the yeah. galaxy. Mm-hmm. And for you to meet him and everything in person, and he's just that nice of a guy. That's just amazing. That's, oh, yeah. that's just awesome. It's always the best thing when people you want to meet end up being really great people. I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I met Robert England. Oh, really? Where did you meet him? From, uh, He was actually one of the cons that I happened to be at and everything. And I actually have an autograph of Robert England. Oh, that's really cool. As Freddy Cooper. 
that is awesome it really is and it says sleep kills john (laughs) that is awesome oh my goodness and the funny thing is my aunt actually met him at logan airport a couple of times oh really wow yeah she worked for tsa at the time oh wow and she's like you're freddy (laughs) cougar and i think he did like an impression for her and then also too because but you were also in star trek oh he was which one yeah the original or i don't remember huh that's actually i didn't know that yeah he was actually in the newer generation part and goes you know what nobody knows that because i'm glad that you actually uh recognized me from that oh wow that's actually sort of that's really sweet (laughs) and you know um i was like I i remember seeing him on a couple episodes of star trek but i don't remember which ones but you know, I'm not even sure if he's even credited on IMDb, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to look for him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's nothing of Robert England on Star Trek. See, um, this goes into another thing you wanted to talk about is I uh, work at a haunted house. Here in Georgia, we have Netherworld, which is like the top rated haunted house. I think there's this idea that people who are into horror are mean and gross and rude. It's like, no, we're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> We really are. Like, guys, some of us are scared of the haunted house, okay? Like, I have a friend. She, We call her axe girl. She's very short. So she wears this, like, bloody dress and this long hair and has an axe. And she scares the bejesus out of people. But she's afraid to go through the haunt, you know? So it's like we, we're actors, you know? And right. it's been really interesting because, like, um since we are like the highest rated haunted house, we have people coming all over the world just to come visit us. We've had people from England, Japan. Um, we've had people like, you know, tape us and everything. Um, there was like, a, I think it was, I think they were from Britain and um, I was in costume. Um, the character I usually play is the uh, housekeeper. There's this room and there's this uh, mannequin in a wheelchair. And he looks like he's real, but it's not. It's fake. And he kind of like is old and decrepit, but I'm like keeping care of his house and I have a feather duster and everything. And so one of the things I scream about is everybody's filthy. You're all filthy. I have to clean you. (laughs) And when people come through the haunt, I try to dust them and some of them won't let me. Some of them will. So like when I saw those two guys with a camera, I like pretended to dust their camera. We have a lot of people who will come through during um certain times to tape us which is fine like there are certain times where they can come in and tape us but for the most part you're not allowed to use your camera because it'll stop the line and we just need to keep people going but like people think we're really these hardcore type of people we're really not because also the guy who owns netherworld um ben he's always saying you know we don't like you know try to be respectful to people like um because for example uh some people they go they try to go through the haunt and they can't get through and that's totally fine. Like, uh, I remember last year when we were doing the haunt, I heard crying and I turned around and there was this father with his two kids and the little boy was oh, having such a, a, a not a good time. And he was just like, please, can you get us out? I'm like, it's OK, I'll get you out. And the dad was like really thankful. And I'm like, it's no problem. It's like, we're not going to make fun of you if you can't get through the haunt. We play monsters. Right. We're not monsters. <laughs> you know what? You, um, I need to actually give you a link <laughs> to... Uh, thing from Collider Live. Uh-huh. This guy named Josh Makuga. Uh-huh. You're gonna laugh your ass off at this, but he's terrified of clowns and oh, stuff like that. No, he would hate. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Hmm? 
they actually did a recorder. They actually took a camera mm-hmm. into the, um, you know how Florida has the, the haunted house thing over at Universal? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Horror Nights? Oh, yeah. Well, they took him in Horror Nights, and he's over there just, <laughs> <laughs> he's just scared out of his mind. Oh. And then also, yeah. Clowns are then, scary, yeah. <laughs> They That's are. actually they really um, one year. See, each year there are two haunts, and they try to mix up the uh, what do you call them? The themes. And one theme was a carnival. Like it was no, it was a fun house, and so it was all clowns. So many people lost their minds, and we have one person. Um, we also sometimes wear masks depending on what we're doing. And there's um, one person there, and he's been at Netherworld for a while, and he wears this clown mask all the time, and he walks around there's a little like area to come out of the haunt where you can also get food and stuff. He goes around the haunt with the mask and scares people in that little area. And Oh, he has scared so many people because people really just don't like clowns. And I think it's mainly because of Pennywise from it. You see, that's where my phobia did come from, but I'm over that whole entire clown phase and everything where clowns don't scare Mm -hmm. me anymore. Because I whooped his ass in my dream. (laughs) Back when I was like 10. So that was my way of actually confronting my nightmares. Yeah, see, I was never really scared of clouds. I was scared of sort of odd things. It's another movie thing. See, my mom told me that when I was little, I had a VHS tape of uh, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. And, oh, I remember that. you know, Winnie the Pooh, he loves his honey. Well, uh, I think it might have been Tigger or something told him about heffalumps and woozles, which is supposed to be elephants and weasels. And while we're watching this cute little VHS tip of Winnie the Pooh, all of a sudden he's having this really terrifying, like, acid trip nightmare about heffalumps and woozles. And it's like, they're not cute. They're these creepy creatures. And they're, like, transforming and changing colors. And it really scared me as a kid. Mom said I would run out of the room when this part of the film would come on and wait for it to be over. I did not like it. (laughs) So it's like, that's great. Yeah, again, I'm not like the strongest person when it comes to like scary stuff. Like I actually have just started getting into horror, you know, and it's like I wanted to be in Netherworld because I love to act and I'm really dramatic. And, you know, it's really interesting, again, because like all my friends, we all like horror, but we all like sort of different types of horror, you know, because there's a lot of different types right. of horror and horror films. While there are some really good ones, there's also a lot of really bad ones. I agree with you on oh, that. Oh, there's so <laughs> many bad ones. that I think it's just, see, like, um, for me, with horror, I kind of like horror that's a little creative and it's not, like, you know, too predictable. But I also don't like it when they're trying to hard, too hard to have a twist. It's like, we can see what you're trying to do and sometimes you can see it, like, from a mile away so then the twist doesn't end up having the impact they want. Exactly. And... You know what? That's what I like about James Wan movies is there's no um, music or anything like that to let you know that something's coming. There's also that slow tension, that slow build, and then oh, once yeah. the tension uh, done, it just doesn't slow down. That tension is actually released, and it's actually there for a reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, also, it's just, I think another thing is I feel like some of the tropes in horror need to, like, don't always work, like, don't hold up like they do today. Like, um... Yeah. When I was taking film classes at um, college, the we watched, uh, what is it called? Oh, The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, which is like considered to be the first horror film. And 
it's interesting because there's some stuff in it. It's like, I don't know if people would be afraid of this today because what it is, it's about a man who has a somnambulist, which is a very fancy word for a sleepwalker. And Mm -hmm. the guy looks creepy, but he's like not scary. But like, you know, according to the teacher, like back then people saw this and it was terrifying to them, you know, but for today's horror, you would have to do more. Right. I can actually see that point because during that time period and everything, you have to think of it, no one has saw, saw anything that horrifying oh, or anything yeah. like that before. Mm-hmm. So therefore, their whole entire horror aspect is totally different and it's changed a lot today. Oh, yeah. It was also kind of interesting because, see, when I was watching the movie, um, I thought uh, that the Somnambulist was in love with his creator. And my uh, film teacher said, no, I think that's just coming from you because you're very sweet and kind and you just want to see the best in everybody. I'm like, yeah, maybe it was. But I think um, that's another thing is like, depending on how you do the horror, there's also like subtext you have to think about. I feel like, especially nowadays, I just feel like so many people are so honed in on movies. They'll try to find subtext in just about anything. I agree with you on that, 110% on that. Another thing, too, I wanted to know was, like, too, what got you into the blogging world? Hmm, that's actually, I'm trying to think, because I think it might have been the show Once Upon a Time, a very, very long time ago. I started... I remember that show. It started out really good, and then it got kind of bad, um... And I wanted, like, a place to talk about it. And even though Tumblr has its problems, like, when it comes to fan-related stuff, I feel like Tumblr is the best place to talk about that stuff. And then at the same time, that was the place where I would start, you know, talking about a lot of issues I saw in media, like, writing, not just writing problems, but also how they, like, treat female characters or how they handle certain topics and stuff like that. And that's kind of one of the reasons I stayed on Tumblr. And then, you know, I discovered Medium, and it's like, oh, I can write some articles about this stuff, and it'll, you know, some people might be interested in it. And I'm still, like, really surprised when people are like, oh, man, I really loved your article. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I do have to say, your article for Birds of Prey was really good. Thank you. I really enjoyed reading that. You're welcome. Thanks. And anytime. Because here's the thing. The, there's a couple of things I noticed is, like, the over-sexualization of female characters in a comic book-based movies mm-hmm. about how they're over-sexualized whenever they're not supposed to be over-sexualized. Yeah. That's a big and thing. Especially when you look at the Holly Berry Catwoman movie, which was not that good. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it was and, not. <laughs> and, you know, when you look at how comic book films were actually perceived back then about over-sexualization when it comes down to women mm-hmm. and everything. It's kind of slowed down a little bit yeah. now compared to where it was. It's gotten better. Because, right. like, see, again, the thing with me is I feel like, I mean, I, I'm a woman and I also don't have a thing with women being sexy, sexy. I'm bisexual. But, like, I think the problem is is that some male writers don't know how to write a woman as, like, being sexual without making her without making that be her one personality trait you know right because there's more to it than just that yeah with women and the thing, because go ahead mm-hmm. here's the thing i'm a i'm straight i'm a straight guy and everything else but i i actually know for a fact there's other things that go through a woman's head besides that just that one thing exactly and they don't and they don't express it you're right they don't express that at all mm-hmm. on on paper and so it's like, okay, 
I know what we're going to do. We're just going to target male audiences rather than female audiences. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to go on ahead and have it sex because sex sells and everything. Yeah, and then we just see, though, that that doesn't always work. Like, with Catwoman, it didn't work. Because another thing no. with Catwoman is, as someone who, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Batman, I was just like, this is not, not only is this not the character of Catwoman, but she doesn't feel like a realistic woman either. No. And then, no, because even I'm sorry. Uh, go, no, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, because if you think of it like this, okay, she has the hots for this cop. She ends up robbing the place that she robbed. She winds up getting, bringing him donuts that has sorry on it, which is the same handwriting that the burglar used. So that wasn't a smart. Yeah. yeah. The only mention of Batman is a little po- a little picture of Michael Keaton on the coffee table. Well, see, from what I've heard, the director never read any Batman comics or like saw the TV shows or anything. So I'm like, this, like, it's no surprise because it's not. <laughs> it wasn't just like I think the fact that you know it was bad, but it, like another thing I've also just talked about is like you know characters have to be they need to be realistic. And they need to feel like real people. And it's just like, you know, the main character just didn't feel like a real person. And it was hard to care about what she did. And also, see, one of the reasons I like Catwoman Catwoman, is the reason (laughs) she is a cat burglar is she loves it for the thrill of it. But also she's big into protecting animals. And they totally got rid of that. So it's like, oh, you got rid of one of the things that made her really interesting and a cool character. That's just great. Right, and you turned it into something that was like over sexualized, mm-hmm. and not only that, but even Sharon Stone's character was, oh, yeah. and that was a see another thing. One thing I hate is when people have fantastic actors in movies and don't use them. And Sharon Tate's amazing, and it's like you guys don't know what you're doing with her. Her character is so bad, and it's just so frustrating. She was definitely underutilized oh, yeah. in that movie, and see, like that's one of the reasons I again used Catwoman as an example was. Besides it being like a failure, again, it's like, you know, in Birds of Prey, Harley and Cass and uh, Dinah and Renee and Helena, they're all women and they're all characters, but they're different types of women. They still feel fleshed out, you know, like that's also why I think Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel did so well, too. It's like, you know, we're going to treat these characters like characters, even though they're female characters so it was just you know it was just a breath of it's been a breath of fresh air to have this be, be happening because it's like i've been waiting for a wonder woman movie for years so when i finally got it i was so happy uh, same here matter of fact i just got done reviewing the wonder woman uh movie with meg and everything Ooh, today. awesome and you can actually check that out on the podcast as i totally well. will i love that movie so much and <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I love the introduction to Wonder Woman and the way they actually laid down the groundwork for it. It was a perfect introduction to mm-hmm. Diane that we haven't seen oh. before in any movie. She was very well received. And also, too, from a woman's perspective and everything else, they actually respected the character the way she is. And that's what I loved mm-hmm. about it. And this is coming from a guy. I mean, I don't like... <laughs> I'm, I'm 35 years mm-hmm. old. I don't want... I'm not 18 years old anymore where... You know what I'm saying? Where everything has to be about sex and everything else. See, that's how you think the thing is. There's some guys who haven't really grown out of that mentality, but it's like, see, even if it's the same for a male character too, like, um, okay, let's use Thor for an example. Thor is a very attractive man, but he's also an interesting character too. Like, 
he's funny, he's clever, and, you know, he tries to, like, do his best, so that makes him interesting, you know? So it's, yeah, it's right. it's cool that he's hot, but it's, like, his personality is also sexy. And, like, I know tons of girls who are into characters that you wouldn't really think people would find sexy, like, um, I'm trying to, let me think of, like, I know tons of girls who, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I have an example, but it's not a comic book. It's a TV show. Um, the new She-Ra cartoon, which uh, had it la- its last season, the villain was a uh, Hordak, and like so many girls were like, "Oh my god, he's so hot!" And he's not, you know, drawn. He's not drawn to be hot. He's the villain. But like, there's tons of girls who are into that, you know. So it's like I, I don't know. I just sometimes feel like maybe with guys, it's sometimes harder for them. I don't know. I just again like one of the reasons I wrote that whole article about, you know, birds of prey is because there were just so many people. It's like, Oh, Harley's not wearing her old outfit or, you know, why is she not being the sexy, beautiful woman she can be? And it was just so frustrating. And you see, I like aspects of birds of Mm -hmm. prey and everything, because I feel like some of the characters was, um, wasn't fleshed out as well as I yeah. wanted them to. And this is me. And I love your statement, like, all movies are subjective. Mm-hmm. And art can't be measured or yeah. anything like that. And that's what I, I, I agree strongly with yeah. you on. And the aspects I loved was the wide shots of the action oh, scenes. Yeah. Especially when Harley is skate, uh, skating on the skate. Oh, the yeah, that was scene. awesome. I loved that scene. The part where she blows up at, uh, oh yes, yeah. was like a was basically saying putting her mark on it and leaving her past mm-hmm. behind because of jokes. I think also I really loved the scene in the booby trap where they're all fighting and they're using like the yep. fun house to fight. Like I really loved that. I like that too. To be honest, like and again, it's like you know, I like again. Um, like I've have I've said, art is subjective, and I was like fine with people disliking it. But see, another thing I've noticed is when it comes to movies that are made like with women in mind, people tend to be a little more critical, and it wouldn't bother me. But sometimes the critiques are not actual critiques. Um, like a uh, okay, Captain Marvel. Now, when that came out a lot of guys really were angry because they don't like Brie Larson. And the reason they don't like Brie right. Larson is because she said, I don't think I need to hear about the, about what white dudes think about a wrinkle in time. And she was saying this because, you know, the movie wasn't made for them. But because of that, all these guys got angry and hated her as Captain Marvel. Therefore, they hated the film. And I kind of just don't think that's, you know, fair. Especially when she didn't no, say anything that bad else. either. No, she was just saying that this is a female exactly, movie. and and it's not meant to be over sexualized like any of the other mm-hmm. the other films and everything. And it's not meant for guys to be drooling. It's yeah. basically what she's yeah, saying. and it's just yeah. And see, I've also noticed it's the same with movies for, for focusing on people of color, which is a, another thing I'm big about because I am biracial. I have brown skin, and I had also noticed that when Black Panther came out, there were people who were trying to sort of say like, "Oh, this movie is so overrated." And I was like, "The movie's only been out like for a month, guys." It's only been a month, and y'all are calling it overrated right. already. And it, you know, matter of fact, Mika and I both had that conversation mm-hmm. last night on the phone. <laughs> oh yeah, this. like it's just—I guess maybe it's because I've been sort of someone who's been into fandom stuff for years. I've just started to notice this stuff more as I've gotten older, 
And again, like it's good to be critical of stuff, but there were time there are times where I sometimes feel like people are just overly critical because they want to hate on something. And I think that's kind of stupid. Exactly. Like I said on my podcast too, I said basically if you hate on somebody something just for the sake of hating on something, you're at, you're sitting at the kids yeah. table. But as soon as you like something, you're automatically part of the outcast yeah. of the people. I don't know. It just sometimes feels like liking stuff and disliking stuff has become a lot harder, and I don't know why. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it just show, goes to show you how bad the fandoms are oh, actually yeah. are, and how poisonous oh, some yeah. of them are. Because- I don't know if you read and- this article, but my most popular article is about um, John Boyega, who played Finn in Star Wars. And see, I didn't do that one. I didn't. Get okay, the so. I'm going to talk about it because this is another big thing about me. Now, I want to say this like to anybody listening to me. I still love Star Wars. And if I'm like talking about, you know, Star Wars fans and you're not like a part of the bad Star Wars fans, it's not aimed at you. Just don't like get upset. Like, it's like even like when it was revealed that there was going to be a black man in the new Star Wars film, people lost their minds because, um, they revealed in the trailer like he was in the desert in the clone trooper outfit and people were all freaking out. And it's like since day one, like people have been against him. And then when the last movie ended, he posted on Twitter about how he didn't really like that Kylo Ren and Ray had a kiss. Like he was like, yeah, I'm disappointed in this. Like, you know, he was pointing out how the relationship was really not a good one and having them kiss didn't make any sense. And people got angry at him, and I'm like, he's just, like, voicing his opinion. He didn't say anything offensive. But, see, another thing is that people who have shipped um, Ray and Kylo have been very, very, like, um, aggressive towards him. Like, they've, like, removed him from pictures so they can put Kylo in it. They have tried to make his relationship with Ray seem not as important. They'll like some people will straight up forget that he was in the movies and I mean I could go on all day some of the really like awful terrible things they have done and you know it was like since the Star Wars movies are over he's just no longer being polite to the people who have been harassing him for like years, you know? And he, because it was obviously yeah. a contract so therefore Exactly. And so it. now he's like I don't have to be polite to these racist people who have been hounding me for years and I'm like that's good for him but like you know all these like people it's like oh he's being so mean I'm like you guys don't really know what mean means do you because like he was being we're talking about three years we're talking about at least three years three or four years oh yeah and and I'm sorry if you guys if you're someone who ships Kylo and Ren and you're not a massive dick that's great but again I've been in fandoms for years like I've never seen such ill-behaved fans until I've seen the Rylos. Because it's not just the fact that, like, like, I've just... There's so much hate in this one group of fandom, and they affected so much of Star Wars and the cast. And it's just so frustrating. And like I said, like, they would go after John all the time. Like, they would ask him where Adam Driver, who plays Kylo, is. Like, where's Adam? Um, Can you tell Adam this? Where's Adam? Can you take a picture of Adam? And when the BAFTA awards came, people were furious that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley sat together. I'm not kidding. They were angry. Cause here's the thing. Adam is married. So he came with his wife to the BAFTAs. 
not Daisy. They're not All dating, right. but they were so mad that Daisy and John were sitting together. And it was just. That is stupid because they're not Kyla. Exactly. Not, but themselves. they just can't seem to wrap their heads around this. But it's like, see, my article was about how since like day one, John Boyega has been dealing with racism and how when it like comes to actors of color and fandoms, white fandom has a tendency to not treat the black actors and characters with the same love as they do the white characters. I agree with you on that. And here's the thing. And I'm happy. Like whenever uh, I'm using black Panther mm-hmm. as, as an example, as soon as I saw that black Panther was actually getting released and it was going to be an African based mm-hmm. movie, I was happy. I was like, finally the African American community is actually getting a movie yeah. that's for them mm-hmm. that's for y'all and mm-hmm. i was thrilled for that i was rooting for that because that's what we yeah. that's what y'all needed and everything don't get me wrong wesley Sunch is the first black superhero that, yep, you got, that we had mm-hmm. but right but to be set in africa and all african cast with a few white people and everything but an old African-American cast, like oh, yeah. people of color. Yeah, and awesome. see, it also sort of just, like, there was, you know, this idea that, you know, oh, black people aren't going to go see a superhero movie with black people. And it's like, well, I mean, Blade already happened. If you do it again, we'll go see it. And they did. And it wasn't like, you know, that white people couldn't enjoy it either. You know, it's like, it's more for no. black people, but you I'm guys can not. still enjoy it, you know. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the heck out of that movie. <laughs> I, I really did. And everything. I really enjoyed the whole entire thing too, where um, we have T'Challa's sister that's actually into tech stuff. And that actually paved the way for even more, even white and black females to actually be a part of the tech Mm -hmm. world. And it's just not made for men anymore. And I like that. That's just a beautiful thing. And I think, like, I see, I've always loved movies, so it's like, you know, therefore I want movies and Hollywood as an industry to be more inclusive so everybody can enjoy them. So, you know, that's like one of the reasons I also, you know, like wrote that article because it's like, you know, black actors aren't going anywhere. You know, we can't just, I mean, you can't continue to treat them this way and then get surprised when they're like, hey, stop being this way. It's the same like with women, you know, too. It's like if you're sexist towards women, then they tell you to stop. You can't get angry at them. Excuse me. So, yeah. Yeah, like, so far, the John Boyega article is probably my one that's the most popular. And also, I just, yeah, I I love John Boyega a lot just because he's very funny and charismatic. And see, that also goes into um, my writing. I'll sometimes get inspired by actors. I'll see an actor and be like, I think they would be a good character like this. I think if they played a character like this, they would be interesting. And like I said, I sometimes get inspired by stuff that I think did a really bad job. Well, like, I was not happy with this current Star Wars trilogy, so it's like, I'm going to take a character like Rey and a character like Finn, and I want to write something with them. Like, I have an idea for a sci-fi story featuring characters like that done right. (laughs) Like, that... See, and another thing also is, I kind of feel like the villain of Kylo Ren was also sort of misused. I agree. Um, I did like the introduction mm-hmm. to his character on Force Awakens, and I was like, "Well, that's just a reboot." I said, "No, it's them reintroducing us into the Star Wars Star Wars world after thirty plus years of us not having mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie." 
and everything. So they had to reintroduce us to Star Wars yeah. in some kind of way. And even though we have the nostalgia factors there, they had to reintroduce that to a newer yeah. audience as well. And I, yeah, like I really think The Force Awakens was a good start. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't end well. But like, you know, I kind of liked this idea of, you know, this son of like two of the most famous people in the galaxy sort of turning to the dark side and then it just you know it didn't really go anywhere and it was like oh that's a shame because i i think adam driver's pretty talented um so it's like you know you had this really good actor and once again you didn't use him to the fullest potential which is a shame exactly and not only that but if you've seen have you seen adam driver not yet but i heard he was good in that I saw him in Black Klansman, and I really liked him in that. I'm just going to say this. His comedic timing is really good when it comes down to Logan Lucky, which is... Isn't Daniel Craig in that, too? Yep, Daniel Craig's in it. Uh, Shady Kane. Yeah, um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I should watch that. (laughs) It's definitely good. It's an underrated film. As a matter of fact, I went out to Walmart and bought it. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, you have any more so, questions you want to ask me? Yeah, I do. Um, so let's see. Let's see. What was one of your favorite reviews that you did? Hmm, I'm going to think. I think probably, believe it or not, I did write a review on my Tumblr for cats. It was sort of more like a bullet list, but I was explaining my reasonings for not loving the film as much as I wanted to. Because again, it was one of those things as. I didn't, it was a bad film, but there is some good stuff in it, but I just don't think the good stuff is outweighed by the bad. Like, I was trying to describe, okay, like, the main thing with me was the designs. In the musical, they're wearing full body suits, and they're wearing makeup. And the thing with the CGI is, it was not finished. I don't know if you heard about this, but when I saw the film, the hands and the feet had no fur on them. Wow. And I I remember Rebel Wilson wanting them to, I think, go back and re- yeah. redo it again. Because mm-hmm. also in, in another scene, you saw Judy Dench, you saw her wedding ring. Like, I don't know why they didn't have her take it off or what, but it was like, you know, the just the special effects were not finished. So that's really distracting. My question. Well, my question is this. Did you see like an advanced screening or did you see? see I don't know. It, it wasn't an advanced uh, screening, but I think it was supposed to be the fixed version they put out. So I was like, are you kidding me? This okay. is supposed to be the fixed version? Because during one of the songs at the end, Magical Mr. Mistopheles, I noticed he's like, Magical Mr. Mistopheles is a magic cat. He's holding a wand and I'm looking and I'm like, he has human hands. So that's, you know, right. they're supposed to be cats. So it's like, this is ruining, you know, suspension of disbelief. Exactly, and if it takes you out of the film and everything, then it's yeah. not doing a very good job at mm-hmm. being very Again, well see, I'm like, I really think they should have just done the outfits and the makeup. There is a other, there's another filmed version of Cats where it's the, just the stage version of the musical, and I'm like, everybody go watch that one instead. It's much better. And like, people are like, oh, Cats is weird. I'm like, well, yeah, because it's a musical about cats, but like, if you see it the right way, I think you can enjoy it. Because like, go ahead. You see, well, I remember watching the trailer. <laughs> oh, the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I was just cringing, like, like I was at a dentist. I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. 
and see again like the thing another thing was also um see like another thing i felt like some of the casting choices were kind of odd like i I like idris elba but i'm like why did they cast him in this because he's not a broadway actor and and he doesn't like dance or anything and then taylor swift doesn't show up until like the end of the movie and i'm like why did you guys make a big deal about her being in the movie because taylor swift probably honestly i think also the worst parts really were rebel wilson and james corden i did not like them in the movie at all they were like my least favorite parts because see i feel like so i'm gonna see if i can try to explain this in the the musical there's a cat called buster for jones and he's fat his song is kind of about how big he is, but it's not in a mocking way. He's like, oh, I eat really good food. And he's telling everybody about the good food. And all the cats are like, oh, my gosh, you're so cool. In the movie version, it's nothing but a walking fat joke. And I hated it. I was just like, I, I was like hiding my hands. I was hiding my face in my hands the entire time. I was like, oh, tell me when it's over. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> it was just so bad. I was like, ugh. I think really the only thing that really made it worth watching was Jennifer Hudson because she was perfect in the role of Grizabella, the cat who sings Memory. Like, she was probably the best part of the entire thing. Okay. Her and um, the actor who played Skimbleshanks, his name is Steve McRae, and he's a ballet slash tap dancer. He was fantastic. Like, those were the two good things about the movie. Everything else, I was just like, ugh. It was really hard to watch. Well, at least yeah. we enjoyed aspects of it. Like so I would see, I really would recommend it though to anybody, unless they're bored or if they really love the musical. Other than that, I can't recommend it. I'm the same way with some movies as well. When it comes down to aspects of certain movies, I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't really recommend this. But hey, it may not be. Yeah, for that's me, what I but try hey, to do. Like, like I said, like with cats, it's just like if you're not a fan of the musical, you probably aren't going to like this. Let's see. I know that you mentioned that. You've known a few mm-hmm. things in the industry. I'm just wondering now, what are some of the things. That see, you the thing know is, within- is I've done some background acting, not a lot, just a little bit, and I've just sort of learned what I think. Well, see, what's really interesting is, um, even if you're like a background actor, they'll like make they'll do your makeup and hair if they really think it's important. Like if it's maybe for a party scene, they're gonna try to you know make look like everybody's kind of nice and dressed up. Um. Another thing is they will allow like child actors, but they have a like a time limit for how long they can stay, and their parents have to be with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, all right. See, from the stuff I've done, um, I didn't have a lot of interactions with any of the famous people, but I was in a room like with Queen Latifah. Um, I forgot what the name of the show was, but she was very nice oh, to wow. everybody. She's like, "Hey, how's everyone doing? Are you having a good time?" and you know, and like, I've, you know, it's, it's, it's not as glamorous, I guess, as people make it out to be, because a lot of it is you sitting around and waiting to be called, because the like, yeah, one scene might call right. for something like, um, right. Let me, oh, yeah, there was one scene, it was, I was going into a grocery store, and it's like, okay, this guy needs to have someone to be his wife, and they're like, you're gonna be his wife, I was like, okay, and so, you know, it's like, another thing is also, it's a lot of repetition, so I would say if anybody hates repetition, you might not want to go into acting because the thing is, is they have to take the shot multiple times. So there's a lot of you going back to where you right. were and then coming back in, you know, 
And some people might be really bored with that. And also, I, I would also say, like, if you don't like people touching your face and putting on makeup, also don't go into acting just because even during, like, while you're shooting, <laughs> like, when the director yells cut, the makeup people will be around be like, okay, hang on, honey, I gotta, I gotta fix your eyeshadow or, or, or let me fix your hair. So it's like, if you don't like people touching your face, acting's probably not for you. But it's, I guess, not as also... Sc- like scary as I thought it was because I'm like oh my gosh there are going to be famous people around what am I going to do but th- it's a job you know and they realize it and a lot of actors are a lot nicer than you know you think they are there was this one old gentleman who I was talking to and he said he was in the movie Hidden Figures as a background extra and he was with uh, Tarja P. Henson who played one of the leads and I think she had a cold and she just felt terrible and she kept apologizing to everyone. She's like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm so sick. We'll have to reschedule. But she kept apologizing to everybody. She's like, I'm so sorry. But they were all like, no, no, it's fine. You know, because she was sick. What's she going to do? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's sweet, though. Because I actually know, well, mm-hmm. going back to Josh McCuga thing, he was actually an extra and he said, of the time, it's you waiting for the actor Mm -hmm. or actress to get on set to where that one scene is. Mm -hmm. And get ready, you know, and then you have to make, they got to fix the lights and everything. So it's, it's actually a lot more labor intensive, but like even with background actors, because, you know, if you have a scene and there's like nobody in it, it's going to look weird. So it's like, you know, it's not just like, oh, you come in and you go out. No, you got to come in, you got to see another thing is they will do is also look at the outfit you wear they will tell you what to wear but then if they see the outfit they'll be like "Mm, it needs something or you need to change or you have something that's branded you can't wear that because they don't certain things don't owe the rights to other stuff so it's like you probably can't be in a warner brothers movie and wear um like mickey mouse you know so it, it is interesting, but I think also, again, it's not as glamorous as people think it is, unless you're, like, the big star. But even the big star is doing a lot of work, you know? And they might be doing more work than you are, too. Another thing I wanted to know was, uh, when you're mm-hmm. writing your short stories, what are the influences? Oh, there's a lot of stuff that influences. Like, believe it or not, movies are a big thing that influences me a lot. Um, cause sometimes I like to imagine like movie trailers to my books, like if it became a movie. Um, but also like many writers, I also take influence like from music and also some of like my personal idols. Like for me, my biggest idol is probably Jim Henson. And Jim Henson was someone who had a very like unique sense of humor, but he didn't hide that from the world. He embraced it. No. Oh yeah, exactly. And I like Jim Henson. I like what he done with the Muppets, and I like uh, that uh, labyrinth that one with. Uh, oh yeah, I love labyrinth. Yep, labyrinth. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So like you know, I'm someone movie. who embraces my weirdness, you know, and enjoys like like also um Tahaka Wahidi, who I discovered through Thor Ragnarok. Like a lot of people, he just you know he basically is like I'm weird, mm-hmm. and I'm like yes. Thank you. And it's like, because see, I was kind of the weird kid. And for a while, I'd be like, don't don't be weird. But it's like, weirdos are the creative people, you know? So if you're not. Exactly. So it's because like, if you're not weird, right. you can't embrace sure. your creativity. So it's better to be weird than try to hide that. Exactly. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's not normal. Well, yeah. we find what normal is. 
because what is normal like... to you is not normal to me and what may be normal to you mm-hmm. may not be not yeah so it's like else. you know i learned to sort of just embrace my creativity and like let it flow um i say probably though the like one of the things that influenced me the most is like i say the fantasy genre in general because um you know i like to think of what the world could be like instead of like you know what it is but i also can write stories that like take place in the real world it's just i prefer to write fantasy i feel like it's more fun <laughs> most definitely and i love uh writing as well I've oh, all, me I've too been, i've been writing since i was a kid and not only that but i remember in seventh grade uh that we actually had made up a short story but what I did was I threw on like, oh, a, like a music score so cool. to go with the story. So I matched the setting that is amazing. the score that I used. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I like people to feel the tension. I want them to feel oh, yeah. the energy coming off of the paper. Not only that, but I also Ooh, wrote nice. a monologue too in theater class. And it's about this uh, boxer. Mm-hmm. And his dad's teaching him how to box. He's in New from New York, and so happens to be his father winds up oh. uh, dying in a drive-by. And the way I did it was this: I didn't have all the only props that I had was my boxing oh, okay. gloves because I used to take boxing, and and then I used the stage as a way to actually oh. climb into the ring. So I acted like I was going through the turnbuckles and climbing through the ring that way. And I had to stay in my stance for a few minutes before I can, while I was talking. And then I was with a monologue, too. I actually, this is what else I did. Ooh, I used a flashback. That's actually really cool. So basically, so basically, I used him inside the rink, but he's telling a story as he's getting ready for this fight that he's about Ooh, to end wow. up doing. That sounds really interesting. And then, thanks. And then by the end of it, I'm using a pre-fight And I'm over there. I'm yelling. I'm pretending I'm hitting somebody and everything. I miss Maggie Smith because I'm a quiet person during that time. And my therapy's <laughs> like, like, where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, see. Because where did that come from? I, um. Because we were studying yeah. T.S. Eliot in my English class in high school. Now, T.S. Eliot wrote Old Possum's book for Practical Cats, which was the inspiration for the musical Cats. And I asked my teacher, and I'm like, can I recite a poem? Now, the thing about me is I have a really great memory if I hear something more than once. So I was obsessed with the musical Cats when I saw it the first time. And one of the songs was called Growl Tiger's Last Stand. And it's a very, very long poem i printed it out and all the students are looking at it like there's no way she can recite this whole thing from memory because i didn't have a copy of the poem i just recited it and everybody was like looking at me like how did you do that and i was like it's easy you know and it's really interesting i feel like when you're like a creative person some people are like how do you do that and i'm like it just comes easy for me (laughs) exactly and that's how i am too and a matter of fact um I also had to write a monologue for oh. this mask. Now like that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, ate. that sounds like so much fun. Like it was. So Miss Maggie's like, you have five minutes to write this left to write. I'm like, what am I going to write about this? <laughs> oh. This looks like a Slipknot mask. 
So I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm doing a, I'm doing about a, a monster that eats people, uh, kids' hearts, and a at a haunted. Oh, uh, that actually sounds really park. cool. That would like make a cool video game. Awesome. So that's what I did. <laughs> and I got a. I wonder if it freaked her out a bit. <laughs> that was like five minutes. I'm <laughs> I think so too. She goes, "Really? This is what you picked?" I'm like, "Well, you told me I have five minutes. Everybody else looks good. Mine turned out to be crap. So you could either take, give me the B or whatever." Just, All right. <laughs> so that was that actually the most like fun I had fun. in theater class, though, in high school. Um. Another thing I wanted to know about this was one's like, actually pretty easy. Um, now, when I was little, we had a VHS copy of The Wizard of Oz, and according to everybody in my family, I played that movie religiously. And I, since I was little, I couldn't say Oz; it oh, was wow. Woz, Wizard of Oz. And I just, for some reason, I still love it to this day. I have so much Wizard of Oz stuff. I have the books. I've seen Wicked, like, I could just talk for, and also, like, I know about the man who created Oz. Like, a lot of people don't know Wizard of Oz was based off a book called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by Frank L. Baum. And, like, I I just, I really like the world he created because the thing is, is, like, um, see, I know people use the term, oh, he's a friend of Dorothy to describe someone who's, like, LGBT, and I think, you know, because it's like a lot of gay people like Wizard of Oz, but also I'm like, the the land of Oz is so accepting. Like, there are so many weird creatures in Oz. Like, for example, there's um a tiger that's constantly hungry in Oz. And, and he's like, right. oh, I wish I had a fat little baby to gobble up, but I can't eat a fat little baby. That would be so terrible. So he's constantly hungry. And everyone feels so bad for him. And it's like, that's so weird and a little <laughs> creepy. But everyone's like, oh, you poor thing. We all love you so much. And then there's this character <laughs> called Button Bright. And it's ironic because Button Bright is stupid. He is really dumb. He's this little boy and he's really, really dumb. And he gets into Oz kind of by accident. He like wandered into Oz and had no idea where he was. And everybody's like, I guess we got to take care of him now. So yeah, I just always love Oz. I continue to love it just because it's so, you know, I think it's also just because it's such a a, a happy-go-lucky film and it just kind of makes you feel good after you watch it. So yeah, like to this day, I still really love The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. You know what's funny? Is the fact that back when I was little, I used to let my mother mm-hmm. uh, rent that movie for me over and over and, did and you over love again. It? And that, I loved it. I really loved the music. I loved everything about Wizard of Oz. That's right up next oh, to my other favorite really? film, Jaws. So, yeah. Yeah. So, because, get this, my aunt, who lived uh, lived right across the street uh-huh. in Boston, because that's actually where I'm originally from, we just walked over oh. to her house, and she goes, yeah, we got Jaws. So, next thing you know it, I just kept on asking her if I can uh, borrow Jaws over and over again. To the point you weren't where, scared of it? You know what? You can go in and keep it. Hmm. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was just, it made me want to study. Uh, yeah, see, that's kind of how I feel about Jaws because sharks. I've always liked the ocean. So it's like Jaws, I don't think ever really scared me. And then you get older and you learn that sharks are really not that scary. No. 
And another thing, though, too, the now the Jaws ride scared me because of the fact that my grandfather punished my brother <laughs> and I because we're mean to each other and put us on the side. Oh my gosh! Oh, okay, now that would have scared me as a kid. Oh my, <laughs> that's a good punishment, though. You guys are probably the age for the rest of the day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's like, so are you a mother? He was a pole. He's a pole like guy too. He's like, so you motherfuckers. <laughs> this is what he said. He goes, you motherfuckers. He goes, he goes. So you little bastards. You, you your Believe it or not, yeah, at Netherworld look. we have a robot that it, it's an animatronic, and we call it Jaws Junior because it's not as big as like the Jaws animatronic. But when you step on a certain part of the um, floor, it pops out. And then see, we also have a pig like this pig that this really mutated look at pig that comes out so we call it pigzilla or jaws of the earth because you know it kind of reminds us a little of jaws because it jumps out and it's got these teeth and everything <laughs> oh wow um another thing too i wanted to ask you about too was like what's your favorite it's gonna be a little hard because i think from, I, hmm, would beauty and the beast count as a classic film It happened in the '90s, but yeah, we can go with we can go on ahead. Yeah, because I kind of feel that like that's a, uh, a classic. But also, course. actually, the movie "It's a Wonderful Life." It was a movie I didn't understand until yeah, I got older. It's my dad's favorite Christmas film. He watches it every year. It's like it was one of those films I had to sort of. I got older, and I you know I understood the story more. And it's you know, I really think it's also sort of it's a good way to think about your life. Like I kind of feel like some people it's like, Oh, it'd be better if I was never born. But you know, in that movie, you have this one man and he touched so many people without realizing it. You know, I think in a way he was just like, I was just doing the right thing. Cause you know, like he saves his brother when he's little and if he's not there, his brother dies, you know? So right. it's just, yeah, it's like it's one of those movies that I really feel like it still holds up. And it's a very I think another thing is it's interesting to see how people take inspiration from it, because I've seen a lot of uh, shows like parody. It's a Wonderful Life. Like I remember. Um, what, what, what was it? Oh, um, uh, Fairly Odd Parents. They did um, a parody of it. Uh, the show iCarly did one of my favorite TV shows. Psych did it. So it's like. It's interesting to see how this movie, it's been around for so many years and people are still taking inspiration from it. I agree. It's just amazing how time passed by mm -hmm. people are still using aspects of It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. You know? And oh, yeah. For Casa me, it's Casablanca. Blanca always or, a good movie. Uh, classic. But, you know, I, I love... I love how you describe your movie, the movies that you love and everything and go through each theme that you like. I'm, Cause I'm the same way I, when it comes down to yeah. talking about films and everything, I have to analyze them. I have to talk about each theme. Yeah. I just can't say, well, this is my favorite movie. Yeah. And that's it. I can't See, my on. fiance is the opposite of me. Cause um, what did I tell? Oh, I told him to go see the Pixar movie Coco. And I'm like, what did you think of it? And he just went, it's okay. And that's it. He didn't like, he said he likes the dog. He liked Dante. And that was it. And then, see, I also took him to see The Shape of Water. And I'm like, what did you think? Because I really loved it. And he was like, it's okay. And I'm just like, can you say more than that? 
that's kind of why I don't always like to drag him to movies because I'm afraid I'm gonna he's gonna be so bored watching them because he's a person who prefers to laugh. But he will sort of talk about certain aspects of movies right. that frustrate him. It's just he's not like me where it's like, you know, I'm into themes and stuff. So it's, I always am happy to find people who are like that because it's just like with him, he's just like, he prefers to laugh. That's it. <laughs> and, I'm, and that's totally fine. Right. That's good, though. Right. It's always good to have like the opposite. of Oh, yeah. Wait, because it's not See, fun. And I've introduced him before. to some stuff, too. Like he had never you know? seen the movie The Producers. He'd never seen that. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is so funny um and stuff so it's like you know we kind of balance each other out and stuff like that <laughs> that's pretty cool uh, and I, well i was just wondering too like oh, with the fun. celebrities that went in through the okay so again since we are like the, the number one haunt in the world not just the states the world we do get celebrities um last year margot robbie who plays harley quinn in birds of prey and in suicide squad she came through and apparently she she was really scared, but she had a fun time. Um, we also get like a lot of horror people from horror stuff. Like, um, you know about Stranger Things, right? Yeah, a bunch of those kids came yeah, through the haunt. Like the kid who show. played Dustin came through the haunt. Um, and see, another thing is Ben, oh, who wow. owns cool. the haunt, he'll go to movie auctions and get stuff that were that's from movie sets to put into the haunt. For example, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Passengers with, I think, uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, um, there were pods in that, yeah, like sleeping I've, pods I've in the spaceship. And he bought those two pods to put into one of our haunts. Yep. He's also He also bought the, um, the airplane they used in American Hustle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like oh, there's a lot of stuff wow. in the haunts I, that have I, I come from that. movie sets. Or there's also... Stuff that you can tell was inspired by movies. Like, um, see, like, we have the main haunt, which is kind of like classic horror. And then we have the other haunt, which is usually sort of sci-fi related. So we have, um, we call her the queen because it looks like the queen Xenomorph from Alien. It's, yeah, and, um, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff inspired by movies. We also have a little museum, I think. Oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I can't remember. I think it's called the House of Creeps. And if like people are waiting to go through the haunt, they can go through the House of Creeps. And we have one of the dolls from Saw. Yeah, like oh, I highly recommend so Netherworld to people who I just love Saw horror too. in general. Because again, like you know, it, we take a lot of inspirations from movies, so there's a lot of those influences in the haunt. And the thing is, sometimes I'll also sort of take inspirations from horror too in my performance because like I said I'm like the caretaker of this um, old guy and so what I'll do is I don't know what it is but people really like to touch him they like to go up and poke him I guess to try to see if he's real so I'll like you know yell at them it's like if you touch him I touch you and then I go over to him and hug him and like caress him to be like oh I love him so much and so a lot of people's like oh I get it that was her guy back in the day and everything so it's like you know I get this idea that like you know these two people they were in love but something terrible happened and now one of them is dead and the woman like just decided to prop him up in the wheelchair and be like yeah he's still alive <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like that that's actually pretty neat and another thing too I was oh, wondering God, about one's like, hard. who's your favorite author because that, that's something that kind of changes a lot. I'm going to have to think. Hmm. 
I might just say for simplicity's sake, maybe Neil Gaiman, because I really like his writing style. It's sort of like a lot of magical realism. And see, then, like, when it comes to comics, though, there's also a lot of comic writers I like. But I think I will say, just to be on the safe side, Neil Gaiman. Because um, he's he's also, like, a lot, I feel like, a lot like me. Like, he's a very weird guy, but his weirdness is his creativity, and it works. And he's had so many works that have been adapted, like a Coraline, the, the movie, Good Omens, American Gods. And he also worked, you know, on Sandman, the comic from D.C., Oh, right. Really? In fact, that's supposed to be adapted to a movie pretty soon. Well, yeah, they're they've been yeah. trying to get it off the ground for a while. One minute they said, "Oh, it's going to be a TV series." Oh, wow, that kind of makes sense though, because Sandman is a little weird and, and surreal. Like so I kind of am not surprised it took a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trying that to figure sense. out what their what their angle is. Yes, yeah, so I think Neil Gaiman but, is my yeah, answer. Okay, now this and one is a little hard too because it's kind of a tie and to nobody's surprise, they're both superhero movies. It's actually a tie between the Birds of Prey soundtrack and Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, like it just like Those both of them just I guess really soundtrack. surprised me and especially like with Into the Spider-Verse, like that film, everything about that film surprised me including the music, like you know, you know, because it's focusing on Miles and Mon- Miles is this young, you know, black boy in New York. And I felt like the music did a good job of like reflecting who he is. And you, yeah, and like it had all these really great like uh, moments yeah, where, you know, like uh, towards the end where all the spiders get together and they're fighting in the collider. Like the music was just so good, you know, and I think it did just a good job of reflecting this world as well as this um crisis they're going through with the collider and everything i just oh it's so good i agree with you on on all that and everything and i and for me it's always going to be the crow is my favorite uh soundtrack because it was Mm -hmm. my interest i was 10 years old when i saw the crow in theaters and i just fell in love with the storyline i fell in love with brendan lee being the crow Oh, but yeah. it was also my introduction into the grunge era. Mm-hmm. It's my introduction into the rock alternative era. When you have Soundgarden, you also have Allison. Well, maybe Allison. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually yeah. Like that would then probably be a lot of people's like, introduction to grunge, and I think it's a a good introduction. It doesn't like you know, it's sort of a gradual right. thing, you know. And it's also, I think, one of the instances of where there was sort of a dark story from a comic book, like not as much as we see now. But like back then, it wasn't there wasn't a lot of like dark comic book stories. No, it was like a right. It was a dark, yeah. gritty, gothic kind of comic, and it was like mm-hmm. specifically designed for yeah. No, the that's gothic a good answer. People. Yeah, like and it see, I think it means a lot to Thanks. remember a soundtrack to a movie. Like it has to. Like I see another soundtrack I really love is I love both of the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks. Because, yeah, because it makes sense oh, within yeah, that world. Really because, good. see, my dad, when I was little, like, before, you know, we had uh, iPods and our iPads, iPods and all that, we had the radio, and my dad and my mom would listen to the songs that they grew up with. 
you know, like songs that came out when they were young and the songs they listened to while they were growing up. So when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy and I heard all this music, I'm like, I have to see this movie with my dad. And it's something we share, you know, because we both love the music. And I think that's just another great way music can work in a movie. I agree 110% on that, too, because music can either take you out of a movie or it can amplify that movie even more. Yeah, I think also it means a lot also, like, with a superhero movie, if there's a good theme for the superhero, like, we talked about Wonder Woman, that, like, electric violin, every time I hear that, I, like, kind of get a shiver on my spine. Like, it's so, it just, it defines what Diana is in a way. It's something traditional but also new and exciting so yeah like i really feel like a lot of people sometimes maybe don't realize how important music is to movies not like just movies that have music in them like you know like a musical like a frozen you know but in general here's the thing like also with like frozen and all those disney films if the background music also doesn't fit with the themes they have it's also going to be really distracting I actually had that mm-hmm. happen to me a couple of times. I forgot which movies they were. There were, but it happened to me ex- yeah. a lot of times with the scores and everything. Oh that yeah, that's always like, really, okay, really I'm just not weird. It. Sometimes, um, now see, um, there's this YouTuber I watch called. Uh, she calls herself Diva, and it's called Musical Hell, and she reviews bad musicals. And she recently did the uh, film version of Joseph and the De- Technicolor Dreamcoat. And part of the tro- pr- trouble with that is one moment the music is like really melodramatic and everything and then it all of a sudden it's a like a country song and there's another one where it's like a calypso and it's like wait what what are we doing like it's giving you whiplash you know it's like it's the same with movie scores because if the movie scores don't fit it feels like this should not be in this movie in a way exactly and my favorite score right now coming off the top is the Man of Steel uh, score where uh, you have Henry Cavill uh, kneeling oh, down yeah. on the ground and then the ground is kind of lifting. Oh, then, Hans Zimmer is that amazing. Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is amazing. Oh, thank goodness for Hans Zimmer. <laughs> he is. Because like, while that movie wasn't like <laughs> fantastic, the music was really good in it. <laughs> that's for sure but yeah I think that's yeah, um, awesome. I think that's about mm-hmm. it that I really want to I'm really having so much fun I, I love just to talk about movies and stuff but <laughs> same here as well if like if there's ever like a movie that you saw and or if it's either an older movie, if you want me to, if you want us to collaborate, oh, that would be awesome. And review it, um, I'm I I'm am trying to start like that. my own movie podcast. We're calling ourselves the Bad Movie Bitches. I would totally be fine with you coming in and like talking about a bad movie with okay. us. I I do want us to like see. Originally, I was going to be like the first episode is going to be okay. cats, but I'm like, no, we need to work up to that. <laughs> so we're slowly going to try to work up towards cats. <laughs> okay. Okay. But most definitely, I'll be glad to be on your podcast and everything. And I'll also would like to Thank actually you. have that you back again. Great. And maybe that. we can do some movie news. <laughs> you and Topeka. All right. And that also, too, I would like to actually <laughs> review some movies with you on the channel as well. And all right. 
Sounds good. And I'm just wondering, uh, do you have any Yes, type of I do have a Twitter. People can follow um, you on or anything like that. Hang on, I got to check. This. I can't remember how I spell it. It's uh, Root Beer Floaty. Because, see, on Tumblr, I'm Root Beer Goddess. So, yeah. So, just type in Root Beer Floaty and you'll okay. be able to find me. Okay. And of course, everybody can follow me on Instagram at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite, John DiGorio85. You can also follow me on Facebook at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. You can also follow me on Twitter at John DiGorio. And then, of course, on Twitter, Movie Lovers Unit. And that's where all the platforms that you can actually follow me on. And I just want to say again, thank you for wanting to do this interview. Okay, it has been thank great. you it so much for fun. having me. I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> Bye. You too. You're welcome. Anytime.